Hello, Real Life Family. Pastor Tim with you again as we're talking about our Real Life Family and just the vision that we have for doing life together as a spiritual family. We all have natural families, uh, and some of those are good, some of those are bad, some of those are a mixed bag. Some of those are good, some of those are bad. Yeah, I, said, I think I said that right. And, uh, and as we look at our natural families, uh, some things we can learn from those things and carry on in life and just naturally um, kind of bring those into our spiritual family that are healthy patterns and wholesome patterns. But there's other things from our natural families that aren't so good, they're broken, that uh, we need to you know, renew and um, put aside and, and choose God's ways of, of how we relate to each other as a spiritual family. So God wants us to have a healthy spiritual family. He has given us the family of God. He's brought us into the family of God to be together, to do this journey together, to learn how to love each other, uh, and, to, and to add to or build the kingdom of God on the earth together, together. And so um, as we look at our spiritual family today, I want to highlight our core uh, values, which really create our culture. Uh, I know as a, as a dad, many years ago when we started having kids, Amy and I, we had a vision for our culture as the Hobson family. We called it the Hobson way. I know we all have a culture. Uh, we were trying to be really intentional about ours. And I remember taking out a, a index card one time and just writing down keywords that described who we wanted to be as a family and how we wanted to raise our kids. And these words are powerful because they, they capture um, who we really are as a family and what we are going to really reinforce. Um, some of those words that I remember writing down uh, were working hard. We wanted, our, we wanted to raise our kids to work hard. So we wanted to teach them uh, the value of hard work and how to give it your best. We, we didn't want our kids to ever give up on anything. We wanted them to be strong and overcomers. And so uh, I remember, don't give up. That's a phrase that we used a lot when, our kid, when we were raising our kids. To be honest and to have integrity, that was one of our key values as a family. To always tell the truth, to be honest, uh, to, to have character, to do the right things. Another one was to be generous. We wanted to teach our kids how to give of themselves, how to be generous, how to help other people out, how to share what they have. Another uh, concept is to be thankful. We think it's important for our kids to be thankful and to say please and to say thank you and to learn manners and to be polite. And so there's a whole bunch of other things that we, we instilled in our kids growing up that we were uh, trying to establish a certain culture. This is what it means to be a Hobson, right? This is what our name uh, represents. This is who we are as a family. This is who you are uh, as an individual. And so we're trying to raise our kids in this certain culture. But you know, we all come from um, different families and some things that we, 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 some cultures that we're raised in, or maybe it's a community or a, um, or a, a family, or maybe it's just the environment that we're in, there's certain things in those cultures that might be negative that attach themselves to us that we need to, we need to discard, you know. Uh, maybe playing the victim is, uh, uh, I think we could all agree, would be one of those negative cultural things that some people grow up in where everyone's a victim. 
And so we blame other people for our problems or it's not my fault and nobody takes responsibility for uh, their future or their, their, their life, right? It's playing the victim. Or maybe it's uh, eating or drinking or drugging your problems away. That's a pretty negative, destructive, cultural um, phenomenon in a lot of people's lives where they learn to just avoid problems, uh, drown those problems out by doing other things. Uh, to, to distract themselves. Or maybe, and I've even seen uh, things like using humor to cover up pain uh, as a, as a uh, coping mechanism uh, in some cultures, some, some families, some groups of people. Um, and maybe there's other just sayings or just, you know, uh, concepts that, that we could have picked up on in a negative culture, like when things get hard, just give up. <laughs> that. That, that's an opposite of what I would want to see happen. Um, when someone hurts you, get even. But that, that's not a healthy culture. That's definitely not a Jesus part culture, is it? And if you make a mistake, hide it or lie about it. Um, again, that's just not a good way to handle life. But if we have any of these negative types of things, we need to submit those to God's word and to, to exchange it for, for Jesus's culture. Jesus's culture, because the culture that Jesus um, embodies, embodies and teaches and invites us into is always going to produce life and fullness and freedom. And so there's five core values I want to share with you that we hold to here at Real Life. There's a lot more values, character qualities and, and things that, that uh, we could include in this list. But it just could, would just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And while we still believe in much more than these five, these are the five main things that um, God put on my heart for us as a family to continue to champion in one another. So I want to share those five with you and give you scriptures to back those up and to hopefully inspire you to stir up these core values in your own life and to continue to grow as we try to establish this kind of a culture as a real-life family together. Number one is spirit-filled life. Living a spirit-filled, spirit-directed life. This is very important to us. Spirit living is a relational lifestyle. It's relating with God moment by moment throughout our day. It's not a religious observance. So spirit living to me and the spirit directed, this core value of living a spirit filled, spirit directed life is encouraging you and encouraging myself to continue to draw on God in real time, like living in the awareness of the presence of God in my life, talking to him, praying to him, listening to him, following his, uh, his leading, his promptings in my life. Now, the Bible says in Galatians 5, and 23, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of this kind of life for you and for me, when we live with a Spirit-filled life and Spirit-directed life, it's joy, uh, it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's gentleness, uh, it's faithfulness, it's self-control. Wow, these are all amazing qualities to have, but they don't come from a person trying to be a good Christian. They come from a person who is relying on the Spirit of God to live their life. You see, the difference is not religious. I'm not trying to be a religious person by controlling my temper. No, I am trying to seek and house the presence of God in my every moment life. 
And by involving the Spirit of God in my every moment, I'm going to see these fruits emerge. Isn't that beautiful? So that's my desire for you. That's my desire for me. And I can easily walk out of the Spirit and walk into the flesh, but I can, I can also, you know, by turning, I can come back and re-engage with the Holy Spirit and, and reconnect with God's presence and begin to have these qualities in my life. That's what we want in our family. We want love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all these fruits. But that comes from not us trying to be good Christians, but from us living filled with the Spirit. So you may be saying, how do I do that? How do I live a Spirit-filled and Spirit-directed life? So for each of these five core uh, values I'm sharing with you, I'm going to give you a real simple a couple of steps to consider, okay? How do you do this? Ephesians 5.18 says, be filled with the Spirit. That means to continue to be filled with the Spirit. So here's my tips for you on how to live a Spirit-filled life. There's much more to be said about this, but just to keep it succinct, I would say this. Every day, ask God to fill you with the Spirit. Secondly, I'd say, talk to God throughout your day to stay in tune with Him and what His will is. And thirdly, I'd say follow the Spirit's leading as He guides your heart. So ask God to fill you. Talk to God throughout the day. Keep Him at the forefront of your moments, right, in real time. And whatever He leads your heart to do, do it. That's a Spirit-filled, Spirit-directed life, okay? All right, the second core uh, value I want to share with you is Scripture. I mean, oh, this is so important to me. That's why every, every time I preach, I'm, I'm using Scripture. I'm not using Tim's opinions, you know, or uh, somebody else's opinions. But what does Jesus say? What does God say? What does His Word say? So we're building our life here as a family on Scripture. We're not building um, our truth on the latest bestseller or the most popular um, TV host or anyone else's opinion we're, or even the world's opinions or the world's values. We are building our truth and our life on the rock, which is Jesus and His Word. So I'm challenging all of us as a family to value the Scriptures and choose God's Word as the foundation of your character, of your choices, of your attitudes, uh, of your behaviors, because God's Word will always bring life to you and to me. So James 1, 21, 22 says this, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth. Remember all the stuff that sometimes attaches itself to us from our upbringing or from a bad culture uh, or from a, a dark, broken world that we're rubbing shoulders with all the time. So the Bible says, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent, all this darkness and brokenness and evil around us. Get rid of it and instead, right, humbly accept the word, the scripture, planted in you which can save you. And it goes on to say, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So our saying for scripture, for this value, is learning and living the truth. We're not just hearing it. We're not just coming to church to listen to a message or something like this. No, we're, gonna, we're actually going to respond to it. So we want to learn and live in the truth. And God's word is the truth. So again, here's the question. How do I or you learn um, to, to how do I learn and live in the truth? How do I do that? So I'm just going to give you another simple verse. Psalm 1-2 says, who, who, The person who delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his 
law day and night. God wants us to be delighting ourselves in God's word, choosing that above all other truths, right? There are no other truths compared to the word of God. And delighting ourselves in God's word by welcoming it into our heart and meditating on it day and night. So here's my, my three tips for you on this one. Read God's word every day. Read God's word every day. Find a Bible plan that you can get it connected to. Second, pick a truth or a verse um, out of that reading to meditate on throughout the day. Pick a verse, maybe you're going to try to memorize it or a phrase or an idea or a truth that you're going to mutter to yourself through the day that you're just going to meditate on. You're going to let it sink in. And thirdly, do whatever it says, right? Put it into practice. This is a very practical application for our lives. The Word of God is meant to transform us, to change us, to mold us, to heal us, to save us, not just to be um, learned or um, studied in our intellectual brains, but to actually take on flesh and blood and be done, like practiced, right? And that's what Jesus was saying when he had that parable about the storm that came and one man built his house on uh, the sand and one man built his house on the rock. And the only difference wasn't that they uh, heard different sermons. They both heard the same sermon. But one of them actually did it. They put it into practice. The other one just let it go in one year and out. The other didn't do anything different with his life. And when the storms of life came, the man who built his house on the sand, the man who just let the words go in and out and didn't put it into practice, his life, his house, his life came crashing down. But the other one who built his life on the rock, he's the one who put it into practice. He withstood the storm. And so that's the truth for you and for me. Let's build our lives on the rock, okay? So read God's word every day. Pick a truth or a scripture to meditate on throughout that day and actually put it into practice. All right, that's the second one. The third value, core value, that we have as a family is freedom. We are all pursuing freedom. Freedom. Freedom what? What is freedom? Freedom, what, is it? what are we talking about freedom? Freedom from sin. Freedom from sin's effects. We've all been hurt. We've all been damaged. We all have some thinking that is wrong. We all have parts of our life that are unhealed, unregenerated, unrenewed, and God wants every part of you to be free and healed and made whole. So, a, as part of our culture as the family, we are seeking freedom constantly to grow, to be healed, to be set free so that we can be filled with Christ. When you're bound, it's an area that Christ doesn't own. But when you're free, you can be filled with Christ in that part of your life. And he wants to be Lord of all, not just Lord of most, Lord of all of your life. Lord of all of your life. John 8, 31 to 32 and verse 36, Jesus says, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So how do I pursue and live in freedom? That's what you should be thinking. How, so how do I do that? Well, 1 John 3, 8 says this, The reason the Son of God appeared, the Son of God is Jesus, the reason Jesus appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So Jesus wants to destroy 
the devil's work, and the devil's work is to destroy you. So the devil uses sin and hurt and trauma uh, and, and rebellion, all those things in us and in people around us to hurt us, to destroy us. And Jesus came to destroy the one who came to destroy us. He came to destroy sin in us and the effects of sin upon our lives. So with that conviction, I want to invite you, and I mentioned this, I believe, last week, but I want to invite you to talk to someone about an area of your life that needs changing and pray with them. Uh, the best way for us to experience freedom is to open our lives to other believers that we trust around us and share with them what's really going on. And we have a three, a simple three-word process that will help capture this, this whole idea of finding freedom. The first one in the context of this praying with someone and sharing your, your life with someone and asking for the Holy Spirit to direct that conversation and to, to direct insight for you in this, this area is this. Number one, repent. We need to identify the core issue uh, or cause and repent, change. So what is the core issue in this heart? And you can ask for the Holy Spirit and for this person you're sharing with to help get to the bottom of it, okay? So we repent. The second thing we do is we renounce which means we cancel uh, the, the devil's assignment against us. Um, any, uh, we break off any ties that uh, trauma or sin has had with us or any agreements that we made with sin, and we break it. We renounce it. We say, I'm no longer, uh, I no longer belong to you. Anger, this hurt, uh, this addiction, I'm no longer going to give myself to you. So we repent, God, forgive me, I'm yours, I want you to rule and reign in this area of my life. We renounce, we break off the devil's uh, attempts to own us, uh, to bind us uh, from past trauma or current decisions in our lives, and we break that off, we tear that contract up. And the third thing we need to do for freedom is we need to replace that hurt, that pain, that thought with God's truth. We need to replace it. We need to take what is true and, and use that to replace what was a lie or what was broken in our lives or what was an addiction or a bent or a thought. And we need to do that. So it's repent, renounce, and replace. And that's what we should be doing anytime that there's a button pushed in us that there's an area that we see in our life that's falling short, that God is putting his finger on something, we need to bring someone into that conversation with us. Get some clarity through that, that conversation and the Holy Spirit, and then we need to repent, renounce, and replace in Jesus' name. Freedom. Freedom is there for you and for me. If the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. So let's, let's give, give all that space to Christ, okay? So seek to live a, a life of freedom so that you can reproduce life, not brokenness. Because whoever we are, that's what we reproduce to those around us. We don't want to reproduce our brokenness, our addictions, our wrong thinking, our bad attitudes, our, our generational curses. We don't want to reproduce that stuff. Jesus came to transform us and set us free. So let's step into that freedom one layer at a time. And we'll never be done until Christ comes back. But man, we can sure get a lot accomplished. We can sure experience a whole lot more freedom if we're allowing God to work in us uh, and, and then he can work through us. Amen? So the fourth um, 
core value I want to share with you is excellence. And the reason why I feel strongly about excellence is because of how I define excellence. I believe that everything we do is an act of worship. Therefore, whatever we do should be done with our very best because it's worship to God. That's how I see excellence. I will admit I'm a recovering perfectionist. So I'm not talking about perfectionism. I, I don't, that, that can really um, put a heavy burden on people. It used to be a heavy burden on my life until I finally decided I'm not going to give in to uh, that, that over-the-top perfectionism any longer. I, but excellence is not perfectionism. Excellence is giving your best to God with whatever you have. The Bible says in Colossians 3, 23 to 24, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. That means give it all you got as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Okay, so how do I do that? How do I live a life of excellence? There's a, a theologian and a politician, his name was Abraham Kuyper, and he has this quote, I love it. He said, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine, mine. Christ is Lord of all. And my challenge to you is recognize your square inch. What is your square inch? Your square inch is the areas that God has placed you in right now. The different roles that you have. Mom or dad or coach or teacher or boss or employer. Or you're in this neighborhood or you're in this school or you're, you're with these people or you're in this club. And wherever you are, whatever your roles are, that's your square inch. So how do you live a life of excellence? Well, first of all, recognize your square inch. Secondly, own, own the responsibility that you have before God because God's put you in that spot. So own it, own it. And thirdly, make it great with God's help, of course. But there's a reason why you are where you are. God's placed you there and own the responsibility you have to to claim it for Christ, to restore it for Christ, to bring hope to that square inch for Christ, to take responsibility, to recognize this is where I'm at. This is what God has called me to do and make it great for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God. All right, and finally, um, the fifth core that I want to share with you is one that we talk about more than anything else, and it's love. It's love. We can never talk more enough about this, but love, for us, Love is see a need and meet it, find a hurt and heal it. The word in Hebrew is ahava. Ahava means to love. And in the middle of ahava is another word that means to give. So really love is action. Love is giving. And as we look at the scriptures, we see the definition of love. It's not only God, but it is the very nature of God to give. Right? 1 John 3, 16 to 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Of course, this is a huge challenge. I fail it in this 
often. We all do, and yet it doesn't mean we need to lower the standard. We just need to ask God to keep teaching us and helping us and empowering us to love like He does. And He loves with real action. Uh, and that's what the scriptures tell us to do. Don't just love with words, oh, I love you, and go on your way and don't do anything, or say words, but do action. And so um, how, do you, uh, how can you live a life of love? Um, when you see a need, do your best to meet it. When you find a hurt, do your best to heal it. And when God moves on your heart, whatever that is, respond to it. Because love is action, love is real, and that's who God is. God is action toward us. God so loved us that he gave his son for you and for me. God demonstrated his love in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And now Christ says, now do what I've done, lay your life down for one another, and love. So in our family, we are always seeking to try to get better at loving one another. And so those are our five. I hope that you're excited about those. I want to challenge you as your pastor and your spiritual coach, in a sense, to stir those gifts up in your life. Let me review them one more time. The first one we talked about was being spirit-filled, to, to have this current and um, ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit in our day, being real with God in the moments of our life. Scripture, learning to um, learn and live the truth, making that a daily habit. Freedom, that we're continually to grow and be free from the, the, the effects of sin in our life so there's more of Jesus in us, so we can repro reproduce more of Christ instead of our hurts and our pains. Excellence, everything we do is an act of worship, so let's make it great. Wherever God's placed you, whatever responsibilities you have, do your best because you're doing it for God, not for anybody else. And finally, love. To love like Jesus has loved us. Let me pray for us. God, I just thank you the opportunity just to talk about you again today. Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will quicken in each one of us these values that I believe are honoring to you and beneficial to our family. May our family excel in living a spirit-filled, spirit-directed life. May we excel in learning and knowing and putting into practice your words that bring freedom and, and salvation. May we continue to grow in freedom, Lord, that there be more of you in us and less of our sin and less of our brokenness. And God, may we continue to um, learn how to love each other like you love us. And may all that we do be done with excellence for your glory, for your honor. Bless my brother, my sister, those watching right now, Lord. Just bless them, encourage them, inspire them in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in his name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.